Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. This week we've got a great speaker. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning, everyone, and a happy, very happy new year to you. It's great to be here at the start of the year, and Alan brought a great message last week that prepared us. Thank you, Alan, for uh, inspiring us between Christmas and New Year. Um, For those of you who use the YouVersion Bible app, um, you can download the YouVersion Bible app for free. You click on it. You can uh, hit on the bottom right corner, More. Click on events and your location tracking device should detect Divine Church. If not, you can uh, type it in by keywords. And if you click on that, you can save that. And all today's notes, video clips, quotes, scriptures, etc. is on there for you. Well, we had, we really had a great Christmas. We had lots of beautiful, special moments, lots of great time. Uh, The children were great. We were very, very blessed and just grateful to God that we were able to... um, Kate, could you put the timer on for me, please? Just put the timer on, going up the way, so I don't get confused. Um, Yeah, we had had lots of beautiful moments and uh, one or two challenging. (laughs) But uh, lots lots of beautiful, beautiful moments that we're very grateful for. Um, As we said, one of them was the Panto in Glasgow. We do that, uh, we've done that for the last three years now, and I think it's going to be a family tradition uh, until we've got a whole row with all our grandkids. We're just going to keep going until we fill all the cheap seats, all the cheap seats are ours, right? All the cheap seats at the back, only £12. You get a brilliant view. And uh, it's absolutely brilliant. We, we just absolutely love it. The, the, the banter is amazing. Elaine C. Smith, um, and uh, just lots of childish jokes, which, uh, you just don't seem to outgrow. <laughs> Certainly I don't. Lots of, lots of fun. And um, I went out for a walk with Levi, and uh, Levi and myself kind of grew a lot closer because we had a lot more time together, and that was really special for me. That was a lot of beautiful. I grew closer with all my family, hopefully, all my children, um, but Levi and I had a wee... I think because... He kept asking me to go in his dinosaur tent. Now, this tent is about this size, and I'm like, Levi, I'm so big. Please come in my tent. So I'd say, well, my legs have to stick out the tent. So my legs are sticking out the tent. There's about 15 dinosaurs in this tent, and we just had our beautiful time together. And it was great as we were, t- he was educating me all the names, and he was telling me which ones were carnivores, herbivores, and I didn't even know there were such things as a fishivore. I don't know, I think he made that up. But, um, <laughs> We went for a walk and sometimes we pass this old man's house called Willie. He's over 80 and he's not spoken a word in over 10 years since he had a stroke. All he can do is make noises. And leave, he, he, he loves children. Uh, and his face lights up when Levi comes in. And we got just um, a wee minute. As I said, he can't talk, but we saw beautiful communication happening when Levi started to play dinosaurs with Willie from Salon. Sound, please, George. Yeah, just put the sound up. That's a bit louder. <laughs> See, look. 
Give him a big, give him a big scary, a big scary roar, Levi. <laughs> Just a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, that was that was one of my favourite moments actually. Just keep that sound on, George, because I've got two or three videos to show this morning. But uh, this morning, 2020 vision. Now, 2020 vision is a term that's used to express normal visual acuity or the clarity or sharpness of vision measured at a distance of 20 feet. They're also called Snellen fractions, named after Hermann Snellen, the Dutch, I thought would like that, I don't, don't know if they're back yet, the Dutch ophthalmologist who developed the eyesight measurement system in 1862. 20-20 vision indicates the sharpness or clarity of vision at a distance. And today I want to show us from Scripture how we can have sharp, clear, 2020 spiritual vision for our lives. How can you have clarity and sharpness of spiritual vision or be able to see with the mind's eye? Without doubt, vision is one of the most valuable gifts that you have. Helen Keller was blind. And she said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. You can be blind, but have vision. You can have sight and no vision. Are we having a spiritual short-sighted epidemic? Did you know that in the natural, actually, we are in the middle of a short-sighted epidemic. And it made me wonder, I wonder if also we're in a spiritual short-sighted epidemic in the church also. Here's just a little video that explains a little bit about this epidemic. an epidemic. It usually has something to do with frightening viruses like HIV or Ebola. So when scientists in the know start talking about an epidemic of nearsightedness, it probably sounds strange. I mean, how can something that isn't infectious or contagious become an epidemic? And yet, the prevalence of nearsightedness in the U.S. is pushing 40 to 50 percent among young people. And that's nothing compared to parts of East Asia, particularly Singapore, China, Japan, and Korea, where nearsightedness among high school-aged children is at 80 percent or more. Is it because kids these days have too much homework? Or is technology to blame? Are iPads ruining our children? New research suggests the cause of nearsightedness might not be peering too closely at your homework, but neither is it all up to genetics. And that might be a good thing because there's a potential prevention out there that's universal and free. The antidote to nearsightedness might be good old-fashioned sunlight. Nearsightedness, or myopia, is a condition in which your eyeball is elongated. When light enters an eyeball that's too long, the lens focuses the light in front of the retina instead of right on the surface. This creates an image that's blurry if you're looking at anything farther away than your outstretched arm. Myopia is easily corrected with glasses, contacts, or surgery, but... Okay, struggling a wee bit, the sound there. Again, we the sound checked us three times before. It was working perfectly, but there we go. I think you got the, the gist of it there. So, evidence seems to suggest that spending two hours per day outside 
can help prevent this developing. They've done various research as to why is there this epidemic of short-sightedness? Is it the introduction of smartphones and tablets? Well, this epidemic was happening even before the introduction of these, so it's not just related to these, although these could contribute. This seems to suggest the evidence that it's less and less time spending outdoors, and the evidence seems to suggest that spending two hours per day outside looking at the objects that are far away can help prevent this short-sightedness. So we want to discover today how to avoid spiritual short-sightedness. Short-sight is un being unable to see things clearly unless they're very close to your eyes. It's the inability to see things clearly which are off in the distance. It's also used metaphorically to describe lacking imagination or foresight. Lacking imagination or foresight, such as describing a short-sighted government, one that lacks imagination or foresight. Now, Mark Twain once said, you can't depend on your eyes when your imagination is out of focus. Now, the writer of Hebrews connects faith and imagination. Did you, did you realize that, that there's a connection between faith and your spiritual vision? There's a connection between faith and your spiritual eyes. There's a connection between faith and what your mind's eye can see. Without faith, which Hebrews 11.1 1 describes as being certain of what we do not see, certain of what we don't see in the natural, but we're certain of what we do not see, that's faith. It's being certain of what's invisible in the natural, but the mind's eye, the imagination, the spiritual 2020 vision, which can see things in the far off, I can see things in the distance. Without faith, without being certain of what we do not see, it's impossible to please God. Faith is essential to the Christian walk. We could say faith is being certain of what we can see with the mind's eye. Faith is being certain of what you can see with the mind's eye. Or faith is being certain of what you can see with 20-20 clear spiritual vision. Faith demands imagination. Or faith demands 20-20 spiritual vision. It's very difficult to have faith if you're not able to clearly see what is unseen. Just as breathing demands air, so faith demands imagination. Now, if your imagination is lacking, or if you're spiritually short-sighted, you will be, not be certain of what you can't see, and it's very difficult, if not impossible, to have faith. And the way that the kingdom operates is through faith. So the link between imagination, spiritual vision, what you can see about who God is, about who you are, and about his calling upon your life is essential to faith and walking. Even Albert Einstein once said, the true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. Now, it's my belief that God wants you to have 20-20 spiritual vision. Now, spiritual vision is that ability to see what is unseen, see what the human eye can't see, to see with the mind's eye. It's in your imagination. Architects are very good at this in the natural where they can see 
and then they're able to project onto paper or to computers or CAD or whatever the technology is. <laughs> they're able to then bring that which was in the mind's eye onto paper and then it to be built into reality. God wants you to have clarity and sharpness of spiritual vision. He wants you to have imagination and foresight for your life, for your future, for the next decade of your life. Now, say your age to yourself right now. Just say what age you are to yourself, okay? 22. Okay. Right? Right? Now, add 10 years and say to yourself what, what age you're going to be at, at the end of the next decade. Okay, so just whisper it to yourself. 32. Okay, just whisper it to yourself so no one can hear 32. Okay. Um, is that a wee bit scary? <laughs> is that a wee bit scary doing that, isn't it? So we either just stumble into the next decade or we actually um, are going to have vision for who we want to become what we want to have achieved and what do we want to be known by. Now, say the age of your children just now, your, your oldest, for example, 14, and add 10 years to that, 24. <laughs> it brings the reality of a decade. I bring my youngest, three, add 10, 13. So I'm going to be a father of 30 to 24-year-olds. And um, in the natural, I would, I would see skint because I've got four daughters that may want married at some point. <laughs> so in the natural, I can see skin, but I've got to see with the mind's eye and see uh, rich husbands. No, no. <laughs> However God wants to do it. Or we can just do one wedding for four, so they'll have to wait for the same date at some projected point in the future. And we just do four and one. One minister's fee, one venue, one meal, the same guests, the same guest list, all right? Not that I've thought any of this through, just that just came to me randomly there, just fell from the sky right now. Never thought about that. Now, why does God want you to have this sharp 2020 vision? Because the primary reason for vision in a human body is to guide and direct movement. It's to guide and direct movement. If you think about it with no vision, you're just going to stumble and bump and go in any direction. Vision helps you to guide and direct your movement. And so it's essential to have 2020 spiritual vision for you, for your life, so that you can direct your movement and make sure it's going in the direction that God wants it to go, even more than you want it to go. It's that Gethsemane prayer, Lord, the next decade, not my will, but your will be done. What is your will? I want to go in your direction. Now, 2020 spiritual vision gives you that ability to see with clarity and sharpness three things. Three things that are essential to you being fulfilled, productive, successful, and useful. Those three things, how great his love and plans are for you. You need 2020 spiritual vision, clear, sharp focus and vision to open your eyes to see, number one, first and foremost, the most important, how great his love 
is for you, how deep the Father's love for you, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. For God so loved you that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that you do not need to perish, you do not need to live apart from him, you do not need to be separate from him, you can be adopted as one of his children. You become an heir and join the inheritance of one of God's children. He loves you, he knows the number of hairs on your head, he's for you, he's not against you, he has plans to prosper you and to bless you, and we need our eyes open to the see sharp, clear focus of God's love for you. How deep the Father's love for you, that the eyes of your hearts, the eyes of your minds would be open to understand, to comprehend fully the vastness, the depth, the height, the breadth of the love of God that is for you and Jesus Christ is made available through his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and outpouring of his spirit. Secondly, who you are. You need sharp 2020 vision to know who you are, to know your true identity. You can't know two until you know number one. You can't know your true identity. Your new identity is a son, a daughter of the king. You are royal, you are precious, you're, you know, you're not just a useless, rotten, miserable sinner. Yes, we have sin, but now we are more than conquerors. Now my sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. Now I am a child of God. I'm seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for me. There's no declaration of guilt for me, for I'm in Christ Jesus. And Christ took my certificate of debt. He nailed it to the cross when he died upon the cross. And so as far as my relationship with God is concerned, there's no condemnation. There is no guilt. My guilt has been removed. I stand before God as a child of God. I'm loved. I have free access to the throne room of heaven. I have free access to his presence. In fact, his presence now resides in me and bides in me. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need our spiritual eyes open to. How great is love and plans for you, who you are. And thirdly and lastly, the doors of opportunity. If you are short-sighted spiritually, if you lack 20-20 spiritual vision, you will miss the doors of opportunity that God God has got you for the next decade. He has got doors of opportunity. He's got relationships. He's got key connections and divine opportunities and people he's going to bring you a long path. And if your eyes are short-sighted, you'll just miss the connection. You'll miss the relationship. You'll miss the opportunities that he's wanting to guide and to take and to lead you to an exciting. The next 10 years, don't have a miserable outlook. Have an exciting outlook. That's God's outlook for you. Yes, there'll be challenges in the next 10 years. But you know what? There are more opportunities than challenges. You want to have a vision of yourself being different 10 years from now. That you want to have a, a vision of, of fulfilling all that God has called you to. For you are created in his image. He's given you incredible gifts, skills, talents, passions, enjoyments, and abilities to fulfill his purpose, his calling, his plan for you to be his image bearer, to be his light in the darkness, to reflect his light, his love, his justice, his righteousness into the this world. Come on, yeah. So, 
Revelation 3, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation, reading 14 to 22, Revelation 3. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, <clears throat> pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire. One of the consequences of lukewarmness is short-sightedness. It's lack of vision. It's the eyes not being able to see fully who God is, who you are, and his calling and purpose for your life. So spiritual blindness is one of the consequences of lukewarmness. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now the church in Laodicea were lukewarm. And to be lukewarm is to be blind to one's true condition. The church had a spirit of complacency that had crept in and its members were smug, self-satisfied. They were rich externally. They had everything they thought. They thought that they were doing fine, but God, in his assessment, did not think they were doing fine. You see, they believed they were rich and did not need a thing because they had materially everything that they wanted. But in reality, God's assessment was wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Not easy words to, to hear or to read. But then they're given three things that they should do. They're told to buy gold and white clothes and salve to put on their eyes so that they could see. Now that's, the word buy seems strange and confusing because isn't God's grace and gifts meant to be free? Salvation can't be caught, bought, <laughs> or caught like a sneezy, there are cold, it's received. So why is he saying buy? Perhaps he's using a phrase that the commercially minded Laodiceans would understand. Because Laodicea was well known for its prosperity, its wealth, and its city was a trading bank and center with a famous medical school. Maybe he was thinking back to the beautiful invitation in Isaiah 55.1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Well, wait a minute, that's a wee bit confusing. You've got no money, but come, buy and eat. How can you come, buy and eat when you have no money? Well, there's several options available to someone who has no money to buy. Someone could have credited something into their account. And so they actually have money, but to them it's free, but someone has paid the price on their behalf. Like what Jesus did to us. We can come buy and eat, and it can cost us nothing because yes, it cost everything. It cost everything, it cost his life, it cost the cross, it cost separation from the Father, it cost, it cost him everything. But we can come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without rest. 
So their poor naked blind advises them to buy from him gold, which will make them truly rich, clothes to cover their nakedness, the nakedness of their shame like Adam and Eve when they were exposed and their shame was, was, was exposed and shame and guilt came on them. And they can buy clothes for free, the clothes of righteousness, the robe of righteousness to cover the nakedness of of our shame, the righteousness that is given freely as a gift by God to those who believe so that we, our guilt is covered, our shame, we don't need to walk about in shame and guilt because it's been removed and we can get that for free. And then he says, eye ointment to heal their blindness. They're invited to come. He will open their eyes to see a spiritual world that they had never dreamed of. And how should they pay for these if they have no money? We're told, be earnest and repent, or be zealous and repent in the King James, or be diligent and turn from your indifference. NLT, or be committed and repent. To repent is to turn from all we know to, that is opposed to God's will. To turn away from all that we know. That's how we buy. We buy, and that's by repenting. Turning from all. And turning from a difference. And difference is, here's God's will, he's my will, and they're different, but that's okay. That's indifference. And that's lukewarmness. Jesus modeled what a disciple, what a follower of his looks like in Gethsemane when he says, Father, take this cup from me, yet not your will, but my will be done. It's surrendering my will to his will. I want to really be angry and take revenge, but God says, love my enemy. God, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender this desire of mine to take revenge and the greater knowledge that your way is best. And so I choose to forgive. Although I don't want to, I want to slap them about the face and pay and make them pay for the pain and the agony they've cost me because that's what they really deserve. But God, I choose to forgive and trust the vengeance is yours. Vengeance is yours. And you repay better than I could ever repay. And if by God's grace they ask for forgiveness, you and your wisdom can uh, forgive them. But you says that those who bring harm to little children is better than a millstone be tied around their neck and thrown into the bottom of the sea. Such is the vengeance of God against those who do evil, particularly to children. I didn't plan to say that, but you know, we sometimes think just forgiveness and people are let off the hook. God is a God of justice and a God of love. And we have to trust the God of justice, that he knows true justice belongs to him. Now, He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. So how we pay, we repent and we receive. We repent and we receive. We repent, we turn from all we know to be wrong and we receive. We open the door, we receive him into our lives. And by opening the door of our heart to Jesus, he transforms us from paupers to princes. But we must hear his voice. We must hear his voice for our eyes to be opened and for our short-sightedness to be healed. Faith comes by hearing. We must hear his voice. Daily we must hear his voice. We must ask him to speak. Say, God, even right now, bring to my mind somebody, a relationship in my life that's not as it should be right now. 
God, bring that to person to mind right now. Let them do that to you. And then saying, God, what would you have me do? And actually listen. Take us moments of silence to listen. And be amazed what God might tell you to do. He might tell you to go and book dance classes. I am to me once. And I did book the dance classes. And I went. You see, it's exciting when you listen to God. Because you're like, oh, I don't really want to go to dance classes. No, you don't. But you said you love this person. And that means that you put down and put their desires above yours. And you stubbornly go. <laughs> and do as God wants you to do and follow him because his plat- he knows you better than you know yourself. But we have to hear his voice. Now, I'd like to give you an example of someone who had his eyes opened. He was incredibly productive, effective, and useful in his life. He had incredible vision. His name is Martin Luther King Jr. And here's a section I want to read from a book called Bearing the Cross by David J. Garrow. As I'm reading this, I just want to play the trailer to Selma, which is about Martin Luther King Jr. I'm just going to keep the sound off for this one, so there's no sound, but I'm just going to uh, read, read this part. The obscene and threatening phone calls continued apace, and they took their toll. I felt myself faltering and growing in fear, King recalled later. Finally, on Friday night, January the 27th, the evening after his brief sojourn at the Montgomery jail, King's crisis of confidence peaked. He turned home late after an MIA meeting, that's a Montgomery Improvement Association. Coretta, that's his wife, was asleep and he was about to retire when the phone rang and yet another caller warned him that if he was going to leave Montgomery alive, he had better do so soon. King hung up and went to bed, but he found himself unable to sleep. Restless and fearful, he went to the kitchen, made some coffee, and he sat down at the table. I started thinking about many things, he recalled 11 years later. He thought about the difficulties the MIA was facing and the many threats he was receiving. I was ready to give up, he said later. With my cup of coffee sitting and touched before me, I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing a coward to surrender the leadership to someone else. He thought about his life up to that moment. The first 25 years of my life were very comfortable years, very happy years, King later said, reflecting back on that moment and the most remarkable and self-revealing utterances he ever made publicly. I didn't have to worry about anything. I have a marvelous mother and father. They went out of their way to provide everything for their children. I went right on through school. I never had to drop out of work or anything. And you know, I was about to conclude that life had been wrapped up for me in a Christmas package. Now, of course, I was religious, as some of you may be. I grew up in church, as some of you may be. I'm the son of a preacher. My grandfather was a preacher. My great-grandfather was a preacher. My only brother is a preacher. My daddy's brother is a preacher. So I didn't have much choice, I guess. But I had grown up in church, and the church meant something very real to me, but it was a kind of inherited religion that I'd never felt an experience with God in the way that you must and have it if you're going to walk the lonely paths of this life. And that night, for the first time in his life, King 
felt such an experience as he sought to escape the pressures the MIA presidency had placed upon him. He thought more about how trouble-free his life had been until the movement began. Everything was done for me, and if I had a problem, I could always call Daddy, my earthly father. Things were solved, but one day after finishing school, I was called to a little church down in Montgomery, Alabama, and I started preaching there. Things were going well in that church. It was a marvelous experience. But one day, a year later, a lady by the name of Rosa Parks decided that she wasn't going to take it any longer. It was the beginning of a movement. And the people of Montgomery asked me to serve them as a spokesman and the president of the new organization that came into being to lead the boycott. I couldn't say no. And then we started our struggle together. Things were going well for the first few days, but then about 10 or 15 days later, after the white people in Montgomery knew that we meant business, they started doing some nasty things. They started making nasty telephone calls. And it came to the point that some days, more than 40 telephone calls would come in. I tell you, if I got one threatening telephone call, I don't know what I would do. 40 telephone calls in a day, threatening my life, the life of my family, the most vulgar, unbelievable, sick, evil, dark phone calls you could ever imagine. He was getting them day after day. The life of my family, the life of my child. I took it for a while in a strong manner, but that night, unable to be at peace with himself, King feared he could take it no longer. I'm gonna finish that story just in a little minute. But did you know that nutritionists tell us that diet can certainly affect vision? And it's true also in the spiritual realm. We have to look at our spiritual diet to ensure that we have good 2020 vision. I want you just to think about what are you putting into your body? What is your spiritual diet like? Who do you spend time with? You will become the average of those you spend time around. What do you read? What do you watch? What do you think about? What is your spiritual diet? Because our eyes are opened at salvation. God opens our eyes. But it's important that we increase our vision and don't allow short-sightedness or lukewarmness to creep back in. We need to see all that God wants us to see. Because being short-sighted means that we're unable to see far off into the distance. And if you cannot see ahead, your direction of travel is hindered. Why? Because remember, the primary reason for vision in a human body is to guide and direct movement. Blindness, an example of the Laodiceans, meant they were wrapped up in building their own kingdom, not God's. They became lukewarm in their love for God and people. They became lukewarm in their concern for a lost world. They became lukewarm about improving the conditions of the world that they lived in for the benefit of others. And lukewarmness in the Laodiceans made them blind to three things. They were unable to see themselves as they really were. They thought they were great, but they didn't see their true condition. It made them unable to see Jesus standing outside their church. He was standing outside the door wanting to come in and they couldn't see that. And number three, they couldn't see the open doors of opportunity that lay ahead for them. But if you buy eye salve, if you come to him and have your eyes opened, you can have 20-20 vision and be able to see three things. We've mentioned already how great his love and plans are for you. Number two, 
who you are, your true identity. And number three, the doors of opportunity that are lying ahead of you in this next decade. God wants to use you. Do you want to be used by him? God's ready to use you. Are you ready to be used by him? God trusts in you, even though you don't trust yourself, but do you trust in him? Because 2020 vision lets you see God and who he truly is. And he allows you to see you as you really are and allows you to see the calling that he has got for you. This is what Paul prayed. Paul prayed that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Or the message says, your eyes focused and clear. That's 2020 spiritual vision right there. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Okay? So the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right-hand side of the Father. Or endless energy, boundless strength, the message said. See, Paul prayed that you would have 20-20 vision so that you would know two things. Number one, the confident hope that he's given to those who he has called, or so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. Be assured, God has got a plan, God has got a purpose, he has a great object for you, and he wants us to lean in and follow him into that calling and purpose. And secondly, his incomparably great power to you who believe. Now, Martin Luther, as I said, King, had a powerful experience where he came to know the hope which God had called him. He knew the object of his life. He knew the calling. His 2020 vision was clear, it was sharp, and it was faltering as we read. But he came to know his incomparably great power. I'm going to continue to read uh, this, just a little bit of the story, and we're getting close to bringing this to an end. Remember, I said they would get 40 telephone calls would come in, threatening my life, the life of my family, the life of my child. I took it for a while in a strong manner, but that night, unable to be at peace with himself, King feared he could take it no longer. It was the most important night of his life, the one he would always think back to in future years when the pressures again seemed to be... I can't underestimate the significance of this moment coming up right now for him because... Three days after this experience, his house was going to be bombed while his wife and three-month-old baby Yoki was in it. He was going to be stabbed as he released his book. A woman would come and put a seven-inch letter opener through the left side of his chest and it would miss his aorta by that. And if he sneezed, it would have killed him. He got imprisoned, he got attacked, he got turned down by the presidency, they got attacked on the bridge, you know the story. But it was this key moment coming up that he referred back to as the game changer for him that gave him the strength, the resilience, the faith to carry on. He said, it was around midnight, thinking back to it. You can have some strange experiences at midnight. The threatening caller had rattled him deeply in, they called him an offensive racist word. We are tired of you and your mess now. And if you're, out of this, if you're not out of this town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. Imagine getting that. 
Imagine that on the end of a phone call to you. I sat there and thought about my beautiful little daughter who had just been born. She was the darling of my life. I'd come in night after night and seen that gentle little smile. And I sat at that table thinking about the little girl and thinking about the fact that she could be taken away from me at any moment. And I started thinking about a dedicated, devoted and loyal wife who was over there asleep. And she could be taken from me or I could be taken from her. And I got to the point that I couldn't take it any longer. I was weak. Something said to me, you can't call on daddy now. He's up in Atlanta, 175 miles away. You can't even call on mama now. You've got to call on that something in that person that your daddy used to tell you about, that power that can make a way out of no way. And I discovered then that religion had to become real to me as it needs to become real to you. And I had to know God for myself as you need to know God for yourself. And I bowed down over that cup of coffee. I never will forget it. I prayed a prayer and I prayed out loud that night. I said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause that we represent is right. But Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now. I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. And I can't let the people see me like this because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to get weak. Then it happened. And it seemed at that moment that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. That experience gave King a new strength and courage. And almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. He went back to bed, no longer worried about the threats of bombings. Wow, isn't that incredible? Let's give God some praise for... Three days after that experience, his house was bombed. His wife Coretta, his two-month-old baby, Yoki, were in the house. He was um, uh, at a, a meeting when it happened and when he heard. Here's a short video and we're finishing after this video. This was the home of Martin Luther King Jr. and his young family uh, from 1954 until 1960. Martin Luther King pretty much said you had to do two things in order to be free. You have to forgive everybody for everything they've ever done to you. And number two, you have to lose your fear of death. He was over at Ralph Avenue at this church. He'd taken up a collection the night the house was bombed, September 30th, 1956. Mary Lucy Williams and Mrs. King were in the living room. The baby Yolanda was in the master bedroom sleeping. And all of a sudden, Mrs. King hears a noise out front. So they ran down the hallway. That blast went off seconds later. And Dr. King said he didn't take a full breath from the time he left that church and got here and found out that his family was not hurt. But in the meantime, three to 500 angry black people are here. They have guns and knives and sticks and holes and shovels and pitchforks. Amid that angry crowd that could have exploded any minute, this young creature who was a very, very special human being came home. 
And it didn't take him any words to calm those people down. All he did was raise his hand, and it was kind of like, peace be still. Told his people to go home. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword, and we have to love our white brothers and sisters even though they're not loving us back. Go home. He said, God will take care of us. And that's exactly what the people did. Martin uh, asked us to be calm in the midst of uh, all of the turmoil that was going on. That was one of the greatest opportunities that he took advantage of. Tell your people not to flare up. Don't fight. We're all right. My family is not hurt. Absolutely beautiful. He was out preaching when his house was bombed. And when he was told, he stepped back from the podium, informed the crowd about the report, and he said he must leave immediately. And he asked that they go quickly to their homes. Those who were watching him were surprised by how calm and, his calm and steady demeanor. And looking back on it, King agreed. He said, King agreed that he had accepted the word of the bombing calmly. My religious experience a few nights before had given me the strength to face it. That was the experience that I read out where God had spoken to him. Now, it's my belief that God wants to give you sharp spiritual vision. Sharp 2020 spiritual vision. He wants you to have clarity and sharpness of your vision, your imagination, and foresight for your life and for your future for the next decade. Why? Remember, the primary reason for vision is to guide and direct your movement. So we need 2020 vision to direct your movement where God wants to take you so that you would know the hope to which he has called you and his incomparably great power for you who believe. This vision gives you the ability to see with clarity and sharpness three things that are essential for your success, usefulness, productivity, and fulfillment. How great his love is for you and his plans are for you. That you would see who you are, your true identity, and you would see the doors of opportunity that lie ahead. We're going to have communion now. We'll just play this song quietly in the background so that the band can join us in communion. Let us pray. I want to take a minute right now and I'm just going to invite you to come up and take some bread and share in the wine. But Lord, I just pray today right now that your Holy Spirit would come and I ask the Heavenly Father that you would open, that you would give us eye salve that we may see. We come to you today, Lord Jesus. We come to your cross where you shed your blood for us. You shed your blood for us. And we come to buy eye salve that we may see that our vision, God, of who you are, our eyes would be opened as Martin Luther's eyes were opened. And he heard directly your voice of affirmation and comfort. He'd probably read those words in the Bible before, but that day it came from the throne room of heaven. And God, whatever we're facing, I pray that similarly we too would be able to get on our knees and openly confess how we're feeling to you and you would give us your deep assurance of your word and a rima now word 
and give to us the faith and the confidence and the grace that we need for the trials, the challenges, the tribulations that we're facing now and that we will face over the next decade. That our eyes would be open, God, to see how deep your love is for me. And that that love would draw me to holiness. It would draw me to repentance. It would draw me to get away from my indifference, to lay down where my will is opposed to yours. And I would turn around and open the door that you may come in, Lord Jesus, and eat with me and I with you. Lord, I pray you'd open our eyes today to see how deep, Holy Spirit, I come. I ask you, as Paul prayed, that you would give us a spirit of revelation that you would open the eyes of our hearts to know how deep, how high, how wide is the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. That this love would not just be a mental knowledge, but it would be a deep heart conviction and assurance. You pour out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. By your Spirit you confirm that we are children of God. Your Spirit testifies that we are children of God that you would open our eyes to see our true identity, Lord Jesus. That we are your children. That I can do all things through Christ. I'm a new creation. I'm seated in the heavenly realms. I'm loved and accepted. And that, Lord, you would open my eyes to see the calling that you have for my life. You would give me sharp 20-20 vision to see what no man can see. You would give me faith and you would stir up faith in us corporately as a group and individually. You would let your faith come today, Lord Jesus. Lord, some of these young people sit in these seats today. You're raising up to places of incredible influence across the world. May we all reach for the full potential for which you have created us. May we go into any sphere that you've called us to. And may we be your image bearers on this earth, bringing your light, your justice, your righteousness, your transformation, your new creation. You would let your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth through your people as they surrender your will and follow your will. Lord, would you open our eyes today. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak right now. Father, would you bring to mind to us right now something that we need to turn away from. Something, Lord, maybe it's an attitude, an addiction, a pattern, a behavior, an unhealthy attachment. Lord, you, by your grace, allow us to turn right now. And if we don't, we know it's a burning fire that's going to destroy. And we're seeing many destroyed because, Lord, there's not nipped in the bud where you've given us the grace to turn away from dodgy stuff that we know we shouldn't be involved in. Texting people we shouldn't be texting. We're married. Texting other people wrong. Other, other women. Coffees. Dodgy stuff. Lord, may we turn to them. Show me, Lord, what I need to put right. 